Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. All right, let's go. It says this, Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 10. It says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. Remember, Paul's in prison while he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus, okay? He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity, the spirit, and the bond of peace. Verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. Verse five, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and who's in all. Was anybody here last week where we just talked about the presence of God filling us, right? We talked about Solomon praying over the temple. God, would your presence fill the temple? And we talked about how Paul's on his knees praying for the believers in Ephesus. God, fill them with your presence. Fill them with your power. Fill them with your love. Come on, did anyone reflect on that in this week? You know, as you ventured through it, God, would you fill me? Like, God, would you just fill me? And after Paul's prayed this, this is what he continues to go on to speak. He's like, as you fill your believers, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God overall, who's overall, through all, and in all. God is in me. He's in you. Come on. It says, but grace was given to each one of us. I've been given grace, and you've been given grace, okay? Grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Uh, verse 8, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led, a host of he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, and saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill, there we go, we see that word again, fill all things. Come on, does anyone want to be filled with the presence of God? I want to live a life full of the presence of God. Well, let's pray and then let's break this down. Jesus, um, God, I already sense you here. You're just so good. I'm so grateful for God, specifically, personally, selfishly, I'm so grateful that I get to do this every week. And God, I, I just, this isn't, this is such a privilege. And I pray, even though I'm imperfect and I'm a broken vessel, I pray that you would use me in a, in a powerful way for your glory. God, I pray as those who listen, whether this is in the room or on a podcast, I pray that you would prepare their hearts right now. God, would you till the soil of their heart? As the seed of your word goes forth, would it take root in their hearts, grow to produce fruit in their lives? We want to be transformed by your word. God, you tell me that this word is alive and active. It's not just words on a piece of paper. It's not just printed font. God, there's something divine about your scriptures. There's something alive and active. They transform, they cut, they're sharper than any double-edged sword. So God, would, would you allow your scripture to do its work within us? We don't just wanna be hearers of your word. We also wanna be doers. We, wanna, we don't just want the information, we want application. So uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I felt opening up, it was probably important that I uh, confess this in front of you guys as my church body. Um, and some of you may be aware, some of you may not, but I, I wasn't always the perfect husband, okay? Now I got it under control, and I am, but. <laughs> Y'all were like, how many times did you cheat on Abigail, dear Lord? No. 
I wasn't always a perfect husband. About two years ago, Abigail and I were pretty much, uh, pretty much, well, I guess it would have been over a little, almost about three years ago. We've been married maybe for a couple of months. Like, this is brand new. And um, her father lives up in the Washington area by the Oregon coast, and it's gorgeous up there. Abigail spent some time, lived kind of in that area as a kid, and just has some sweet childhood memories in this place. And you've seen the pictures of like that whole Washington kind of Oregon area. It's like there's waterfalls and pine trees and whatever, elks that walk out, you know, all types of just, it's like this, you know, whatever, whatever. Y'all know I killed a deer. Y'all know I killed a deer this week. Come on, glory to God. Glory to God. So y'all know I'm an outdoorsman now. Come on. <laughs> so we're in, we're, we're, we're up there, or, or, you know, so her sister goes up there to visit her dad and, and visit her family, and Abigail can't go. She's kind of devastated she can't go, but she, we just couldn't make it happen. So her, her little sister, Anna's up there, and they go to the beach, and Anna finds this perfectly dried out, perfectly circular, beautiful little sand dollar from this majestic, you know, Northwest. It's just, Anna was thinking of Abigail and something about, you know, Abigail, my wife, it's just the little things that matter, you know, like just that you thought of me while you were on the beach, that meant so much to her. So Anna, Anna comes back and gives her this little sand dollar. And when I say like obsessed, Abigail is obsessed with this sand dollar. You know, we were kind of reflecting on this story because it's not one of my more proud moments in life. So we were just kind of talking back and forth on it this week. And like, I was joking around. I'm like, Abigail was so obsessed with this thing. She'd be like laying in bed, like petting it, you know, like, <laughs> like looking around. And it was just, you know, it, I mean, it's pretty rare. It's rare that you're going to find a sand dollar washed up on shore, dried out completely in perfect condition. This is like so valuable. And it's from her sister. And then it's from, you know, a place where she has these childhood memories. And it just has deep, you know, this, it's, it's not just a sand dollar. There's deep significance related to the sand dollar. And she, you know, we're first getting married. And she knows, you know, I can be a pastor sometimes. And she's like, Mark, she's like, I swear, if you touch this, if you, if you look at this, don't touch this sand dollar, okay? And they're fragile. If you don't know what a sand dollar, it's like paper thin. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, you got it. Challenge accepted, you know? <laughs> I, I'm not exaggerating. Abigail literally carried the sand dollar around in her purse, like was obsessed with it, Okay. I think you guys get the point. So here we are. We're, we're, in the, we're in the car. She's keeping the sand dollar in her middle console in her car. Why? I don't know. But I'm already married at this point, so I'm just like, I got to stay with her. You know, forget it, whatever. No, I'm just kidding. So, so it's in there. Sand dollar's in there. And just to be a pester, because y'all know I love to pester my wife, we park, and I grab the sand dollar and jump out of the car, okay? And she's like, no, Mark, get back here. What are you doing? Stop it. You know, starts losing her mind, spits flying out of her mouth. Literally, it, it's weird. It's weird because her pants started turning purple and her skin started turning green. I was like, what is happening to you? No, I'm just, so I am, I am running. We're in an apartment at a time and I start running into the apartment and just to be a pester, I start throwing the sand dollar up and down in the air. Oh, I start throwing the sand dollar up and down in the air, just trying to, you know, just be a pester and it's funny and I'm just, whatever, you know, just 
being careless and but she's so mad that she comes up and while I'm throwing the one of the problems is I'm throwing the sand dollar with my left hand and I'm right-handed and then the second problem is while I'm throwing the sand dollar she pinches me on the side cuz she's so mad and when she pinches me I like flinch and this sand dollar goes up in the air and falls right on the ground shatters on the ground I am like, I am a couple months into marriage, and I'm going to lose my wife right off the bat. So she literally, I mean, I'm telling you, she's bawling, tears. We, we lived on the second floor of the apartment complex. So I am standing there frozen. I have never felt worse in my life. Like this was, I was like, I am just a moron. Why, why, Mark, why? And I was so like deeply hurt that I hurt her so bad. And she is just like, you know, I, I don't even have a word to explain. She walks up the stairs and turns around, and she's just like, <laughs> doesn't even say anything. Just, just looks, just in case you guys missed it, she's like, <laughs> like, like she doesn't even have the words. She's so hurt. So she walks up into our apartment. She goes into the kitchen. She opens the knife drawer. She pulls, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> so she's just upstairs, and I, I'm just at the bottom of the stairs. Like, I don't even want to go up there. I don't, I don't know what to do with myself, you know? I was careless, but I, I went up, and she didn't have a knife, praise God. And You know, we worked through it. I actually called her dad. I said, hey, can you go to this beach and find, can you find another sand dollar and send it? I just accidentally broke it. And he's like, yeah, the beach is two hours away. Sorry. I'm like, gosh, dang it. I'm like, this is, so we kind of have this joke about sand dollars um, in our family now, but you know, I wonder if in the same way, you know, that's, that's a covenant relationship there where I have a calling as a husband to, to love and to lead and to protect and, you know, to be gentle and kind. And in that moment as a husband, really I was acting carelessly and thoughtlessly, you know, and it's funny and we laugh. But, but really I wasn't fulfilling my role. I, I was being careless as a husband. And I just wonder, are we so casual in our Christian walk that sometimes all too often we act as careless Christians. Ephesians 4.1, this is Paul. He's in a prison, he's in a prison cell. Who, whoever told you serving Jesus would make everything okay in life, um, that everything would be fine. They forgot to read this part of the Bible. We know it will be one day. It will be one day, and that's our hope. That's why we can endure all things on this earth, right? So Paul's sitting in a prison cell. He goes, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, he goes, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You've been called by God. Live a life worthy of your calling. Paul is literally in a prison cell for doing the kingdom work. And he's pleading with the believers in Ephesus. Come on, live this thing out. And as we've gone through this entire book of Ephesians, don't forget, Paul has made known everything that's happened in our union with Christ. Right, and, and I will continue to repeat these things. I will continue to speak these things. We've received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We can't even see physically all that's happened with us coming into relationship with Jesus. We were dead, but now we've been made alive in Jesus. Right? We, we were lost, but now we're found. We are now sons. We've been adopted. We are now co-heirs with Christ. Jesus has changed everything. And what Paul is saying is live like it. Live this thing out. If Jesus has changed everything, he deserves 
everything, amen? He goes, you were dead, now you've been made alive. You, you, you're adopted, you're co-heirs. Paul's saying, live it out. Ephesus, you need to live this thing out. You've been called and commissioned by God. God has plans and purposes for your life far beyond what you could imagine for yourself. We saw it in Ephesians 3. Like God's able to do more than we could imagine ask, think up ourselves. Sometimes we have an idea in our head of the plans God has for us and the things he wants to do in us and the things he wants to do through us. And Paul's saying, y'all can't even imagine. If you were to fully submit, if you were to give all of yourself, you have no idea the things God has for you, the things God can do in you, the things God can do through you. And I think, you know, Paul's begging Ephesus to live like it. And I think for us, we have days I think we do. I think we have days where we're intentional. Days where we have expectation in our heart that God is good and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. And maybe even in this moment, we have days where we pour out, we, sh- we share some scripture with a co- coworker boldly and speak truth into their situation. We have moments where we pray with our kids and we spend time talking uh, Jesus with them. But what would happen? What would happen if, We did what Paul is challenging the church of Ephesus to do in this moment. What would happen if we refused to continue living as casual Christians, as buttoned up Christians? What would happen if the church started acting a little undomesticated, a little untamed, right? What would happen if the church started living a life worthy of our calling, eyes fixed on Jesus, expectation daily that God is ready and willing to use a strict commitment to our spiritual disciplines because it's our bread. It's how we eat, right? We, uh, we, are, our lo- we love people so violently that the world around us recognizes the way that we love people. They see something supernatural about our love. What would happen if we, if we as Christians started to live that way, started to live a life worthy of our calling? What would happen? You know, I've used this verse before. Specifically, I, I gave a message on some of our core values when we launched those in 2020. And there's this verse from Philippians, the first chapter in Philippians. Again, you guys have heard me share it, but I just can't get over it because it's just this perfect, it, it's Paul writing, but it's like Paul sharing his heart. And it's almost like this is the mindset that Paul wakes up with every day. And for me, it's this constant rem- reminder, this needs to be the attitude of my heart every single day that I wake up. This needs to be the attitude of your heart every single day that you wake up. It's this, Philippians 1, 20 through 21. This is just wild to me. This is Paul writing. He goes, for I fully expect, say expect. He goes, I fully expect in hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will just continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. Paul's like, I just expect to be bold. I wonder, do we wake up and expect to be bold? Do we wake up expecting to not be ashamed and to really live this thing out? Through our thoughts, words, actions, deeds in front of all the people that we encounter? Do we get around certain people and we let it slide or we get around certain people or we let down our guard or, or, or do we walk around with expectation in our heart that I'll never be ashamed, I'm gonna be bold. I love this. It, this, is a, this is a mentality Paul lived with, right? Verse 21, um, or no, I'll, I'll continue on with verse 20. Um, 
And I trust that my life, he goes, I trust my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or whether I die. He goes, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying's even better because I get to go be with Jesus for all eternity where there is no more tears, there is no more weeping, there is no more sickness, right? Eternity with God to me sounds pretty good, but also I'm so expectant for the way that Jesus is gonna use me in and out, the way that Jesus is gonna use me on a daily basis, that you know what, I have so much purpose on this earth too, I'm good to stay. It's whatever you want, Lord, I'm good with either. Either sounds good to me. Verse 22, he goes, but if I live, he goes, I can do more faithful work, more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. Can you imagine our mindset? Because I think sometimes we're down here like, oh man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm just so sick of life. It's just, oh, life is hard. It's hard. For real, sometimes I feel like that's how we, but what if, man, heaven, let's not forget heaven has invaded earth. Amen. Heaven has inhabited our heart. Woo. There's the spirit of God. You know, we talked last week, if, if we're full of the presence of God, what if, what if there's some fruitful work for us to do here on earth? What if there's some incredible things that are beyond our imagination? I just wonder, have we lived with that expectation, but maybe we haven't lived a life worthy of the things we've been called to. Like, and, but it's time for us to wake up and it starts with expectation in our heart. I fully expect to never be ashamed and be bold. And that's where it starts. Where's your expectation at? Are we ready to live a life worthy of our calling? Paul, understanding, his understanding of Christ, right? He understands all that Christ has done for us in the natural, but also in the, in the spiritual realm. And it's moved him to live a Christian life, not full of duties, not carrying the ins and outs. All right, I, I prayed today. I read my Bible. I sent someone a nice text message. I... No, 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 his, it, it's not about duties for Paul. He, he's living a life of devotion. That's, that's what's happened. There's been this transfer from duties to devotion. Paul is in love with Jesus and he is living this wild Christian life. It's actually got him in prison. His boldness. In church, we ought to live lives devoted to Jesus. When, when did it become about, if I'm gonna live for God, then I, then I have to do this and this and this. Paul is literally in prison. What if living a life worthy of your calling actually looks a little messy? What if it's not so buttoned up? What if it looks a little spiritually barbaric? You wanna know what also is barbaric? Cutting a deer open and ripping its guts out. <laughs> yeah, I did that. Oh, I love Marshfield, man. But for real, what if, what, if lo <laughs> what if loving people well actually means having some uncomfortable conversations, getting up in people's business, right? What if living a life worthy of your calling means constantly, constantly breaking out of your comfort zone to show a world Jesus? Come on, we, we can't be in a cell, Right, so in the world, Jesus, what if it's a little barbaric? What if it's a little messy? What if it's a little uncomfortable? I, I wonder if there's people in the room where you know God has put something in your heart to do recently, and I don't know what it is. I, I don't know what it is. It, you know, 
Only you might know what that is, but he's put something in your heart to do, but you've been stuck, unwilling to do it, unwilling to give that gift, unwilling to take that person in, unwilling to have that conversation. I don't know what it is. God's put it in your heart to do. Listen, no more. It's time to step into the things God has for us. That's what, that, that's what it's all about. That's living a life worthy of your calling, this day-to-day con- conduct, not something I uh, do a little bit here, a little, not there, a little bit here. No, no, no. It's time to wake up and live with expectancy in our heart. We're not, a, we're not on a, man, we're not ashamed. Come on. We're not timid. We're bold, ready to be who God has intended us to be. Remember, this, is, this has been our, our mantra as we've gone through this series is we're not just called to belong, we've been commissioned to build, right? We're not just called to belong, church, we've been commissioned to build. As we carry out our individual roles and our individual callings um, and our individually, as we individually utilize the giftings God's deposited in us, we are collectively making the body of Christ. The body of Christ, the, the, the temple, we're the temple, collectively, we're, we're the body of God correct, collectively, but I have a role to play. You have a role to play. You have a measure of grace. You have a gifting. I have a gifting. I have a different measure than your measure, right? We, uh, weeks ago, we talked about the parable of the talents, and we look at the master. He has his three servants, and he gives one five. He gives one two. He gives one one according to their abilities, and he says, and, but it's not about what you have. It's about the fact that you're using what God's put inside of you right? God, God wasn't upset with the one because he just had one or he, or he didn't have a lot. He was, he was frustrated with the one servant because he buried his talent because he did nothing with what he was given. But, but the one who had five who doubled it and the one who had two who doubled it, y'all know what parable I'm talking about? Just, just so I'm not losing people? Okay. So, so they, they doubled theirs. And what did, he, what did he say to both of them? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the fullness of my joy well done. It's not about how much you have. It's not about how great you are or, you know, how gifted you are. It's just about the fact that you're walking around with expectancy in your heart. You're walking around, God, I'm going to steward whatever you've given me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work like it depends on me. I'm going to pray like it depends on you, right? You're the, I'll just plant. You're the one who makes things grow. Come on. We haven't just been called to belong. We've been commissioned to build. And so, so maybe we're in here and we're like, okay, Pastor Mark, I want to build. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to just belong. I want to, I want to play a role in the church. I want to play a role in the body. What, what do I do? Where do I start? I think Paul gives us a great starting place. Verse two, Ephesians four, two through eight. Is this okay? Y'all with me? He says this, always be humble and gentle. Don't break your wife's sand dollar. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Verse three, make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. You know what that says to me? Is unity is hard. Chemistry is hard because naturally in our flesh, some of y'all might not like me. Secretly, maybe I don't like you. No, I'll just play it. I love I love y'all, but sometimes we, we butt heads with people. We disagree. They're always trying to control me, or they gossip about me all the time. I heard what they said. Unity takes work. Unity takes humility. Unity takes self-control, suppressing our anger, suppressing our hurt, right? Or, 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 or being, not having to stick up for ourselves. It takes humility and hum- It takes work. That's why Paul is telling the church, 
Make every effort. You got to grind this out to be who you've been called to be. If the church is going to look how God's intended it to look, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort. This doesn't just happen spiritually and, you know, the room sparkled and we were all fine. That's not it, man. This is God's put his spirit in us, but, but there, it takes every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. Then he goes on to say, for there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future, there's one body and one spirit. Collectively, individually, we, we make up the body, but we're all empowered, but all gifted, all graced by the same Holy Spirit. That's why we can be in unity, because even though we're all different, and my grace is different, and my personality and my characteristics and your personality and your characteristics and your gifting is different than mine, we're, we're all run by the same spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who's gonna bring unity to all of us. It's God's truth that's gonna bring unity to this entire body. If we all just do our own thing, that's where we won't have unity. So <clears throat> goes on, verse five, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, in all, in living through all of us. He goes on to say that. Verse seven, however, he has given each one of us a special gift. He's given me a special gift, given you special gifts, right through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Okay, really quick, I just, I just wanted to touch on this. It's kind of like a sidestep. Um, I just figured I should address everybody with this. So he, so he talks about baptisms, and we have heaven come tonight. And, um, you know, baptism is this in, incredible outward expression of the inward change we've received in Jesus, right? And you, you see in the scriptures, you see people who, when they put their faith, it's, it, it wasn't like they had altar calls where they raised their hand and said, like, yeah, I want to receive Jesus. I, I want to give my life to Jesus. It was that the baptism was that. It was like, I've given my heart to Jesus, so I'm getting baptized for all to see. I've, I've made the commitment. And I've had time and time again, I've had this conversation with people, so I figured I would just clear it up from the stage. Here's my thoughts on it. So many people have come to me, and they've, they're like, Pastor, I've had this stirring in my heart. I was baptized as a kid. It really, you know, maybe I kind of understood, maybe I did it, or maybe my parents had me do it, or whatever it is, but I haven't been baptized as I've been older. Is, is that okay? Like, or I kind of felt like I should be baptized now. I, I kind of have the stirring to get baptized. Like, what do you think I should do? And here's what I think you should do. If the Holy Spirit is putting in your heart to be baptized, if this is something that you're owning and, and this is a commitment you want to make, let's get in the water, baby. Let's get in the water. So tonight, if, if that's you and you're in here and you're like, man, I've been wrestling with this, Tyler Templeton right here in the front row is one of those guys where he was like, you know what, right? It's like, man, j just this past year, I came in, he, he's here with a group of dudes in the morning. He goes, man, I want to get baptized. He goes, you were baptized as a kid, right? He goes, but this, he goes, but I want to own this. I, want, I, I own this now. There's something, there's something different. And man, we dunked him on a Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. It was incredible. So come on. <clears throat> That's my soapbox. Back to business. Here we go. Baptisms tonight, you can talk to me. Sign up on our website. We can, we can get you those details. Y'all coming out to heaven come tonight? Yeah. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. Verse seven, so however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his holy people. You can tell Paul has given instruction 
uh, to the church on how to become one body operated by the same spirit. Even, even though there's many of us, if we all submit and devote ourselves to a life led and empowered by the Holy Spirit, it, it's going to take work. It's going to take effort to create this unity. But Paul writes that when we do so, there's a glorious hope and future ahead for you and me. And then Paul writes in verses 6 and 8, he says, There's one God and one Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. God's living in me and God's living in you. I, we talk about that plenty. Um, but then he says, However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and he gave gifts to his people. You know, maybe we find ourselves in this season, you're sitting in here and you hear that, man, we all have been given a special gift. Maybe you're in here and you have clarity on what your gifting is and how the Spirit's gifted you and how the Holy Spirit at work has, you know, you, you have clarity on what your role is for this body, but maybe there's people in the room and you're like, I don't. I don't know what my contribution is to the body. I don't know what my spiritual gifting is. I don't know. I don't know. I want to play my role. I want to play my part. Man, if I'm supposed to be a finger in the body, I want to be a finger. If I'm supposed to be a toe, I want to be a toe. I just am trying to figure out, God, God what, what, what is your gifting in me? And I know this might sound like the pastor answer, and this might sound cliche and like the easy way out, but pray. Ask God, God, reveal to me what is my gifting. Eager, you know, the Bible says to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Like, God, God, what is my gifting? Reveal that to me with clarity. I want to I wanna be in the fullness of my role in, in your body. What is my gifting? What is it? Pray, ask him to reveal it to you. And sometimes discovering our gift can be challenging. So I'm grateful for 1 Corinthians 12. Man, it's almost 10 o'clock and I am only like halfway through my message, y'all. That's okay. Y'all okay to stick around for a little while? Yeah. All right. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 12. I'm, I'm going to move through this says this, this is Paul talking about spiritual gifting. This is Paul talking about our role in the body and what roles are available and when the Holy Spirit empowers us, some of the things that he can empower us to do. So check this out, verse one in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now dear brothers and sisters, regarding your questions about special abilities um, the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along and worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. But then he goes on to say this. He goes, there are different spiritual gifts by the same Spirit who's the source of all of them. So even though we're all different, even though there's different spiritual gifts, we're, they're all from the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit that's uniting us and in, in working in the body. Um, verse three, so I want you to, or sorry, verse four, or verse five. There are all different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. It's all God, it's all God's work. Seven, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So this tells me that the spiritual gifts are, so, are for what? So we can help each other. So we can collectively be the body. Verse eight, to one person, the spirit gives the ability to give wise counsel. To another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. Like, come on, wouldn't you just love to have a spiritual gift of faith? Like, I can just believe. I just have great faith. I just can believe God. And to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit or from another spirit. 
Um, still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which, eat, which gift each person should have. And then he says this in verse 12 to kind of tie, tie it up. Verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many, the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. He's saying you, me, when we carry out our spiritual duties, when we're sensitive to how God wants to use us and what he wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us, we, we're making the body where, where it's many parts. He also talks about this in Romans 12. We can look at Romans 12. He addresses the same issue. Let's look at Romans 12, verses three through eight. It says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul writing again. He goes, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourselves better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, there we see it again, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. In his grace, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach them well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging, right? If, if it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility serious. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Come on, all of us have a role. And maybe we look at these and we think, we see that one that talks about healing and we're like, dang, I, I want that one. I wish I want that to be my spiritual gift, right? Like, then I would be really important. But there's a, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians that says sometimes the weakest parts of the body are the most important. Sometimes the one that seem least significant are the most, you know what? Maybe some, someone comes in here re ready to end it all. Maybe they're ready to take their life. But because you operated in your gift of kindness, one of the least sexy ones, maybe, maybe we might think, but because you operated in it in its fullness, you loved on this person, God used you. You were a vessel God used. Your kindness melted some of that suicidal thought away in somebody. Who knows? Come on, it's all of it's important. All of us have a role to play. So pray. If you don't know what yours is, come on, God, what is, what is your gifting in me? How do you want to use me? What do you have for me? Amen? Is that okay? Yeah. Um. And I know this isn't the first time we've talked about some of these things. We've gone through these verses together. We've talked about it. But I just wonder sometimes, are we fully aware that we have a role to play in the body? Our, our portion of work in the ministry isn't just to sit and listen every week. And, and if you think that's what your role is here, to just come, sit, and listen, then, you know, I, I think you've been deceived or I think you've got it backwards. I think you've got it twisted. That's why we want people to jump on and serve. Like, you know, get on a team, get involved in the church and, you know, um, I, I just wonder sometimes, are, are we fully aware that we have a role to play in this body? Um, yeah, and I would just encourage you, ask God to show you what that gifting is. Let's wrap this thing up. Ephesians 4, verses 9 through 10 says this. In saying, he ascended. Uh, Kim, you can come on, jump up on the keys if you don't mind. In, in saying that he ascended, what does it mean? Or I'm sorry, in saying he ascended. What does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So Christ left heaven, right, and inhabited the earth, fully man and fully God. And we've talked about that. And something I love about Jesus, something I love about 
something I love about God sending Jesus to the earth it is the whole aspect that Jesus was fully human and fully God, fully God, full of his spirit. I love how we can watch and observe Jesus's life. We can see the way he talked, see the way he acted, see the way he treated people, see what made him angry, see what made him joyful, uh, see how he pursued God in his personal time, see how he prayed, see how he loved people. You know, we, we can see all the things Jesus did and we, and we get a picture of our heavenly father, right? Because Jesus is, is the father personified. It's, it's incredible. But I also love how Jesus, you know, when, when he goes to Lazarus' grave, he, he cries with Mary as she's upset, right? When, before he goes to the cross, as he, as he prays, he, he's, he's anxious and he's weeping and he's asking God, do I, do I have to go? I don't know that I, I, don't know that I can do this. His, his heart breaks. He feels the, the full emotion of humanity. He descended to earth. He took part on earth. He knows. So when if you find yourself in a season of hurting, he's, he gets it. He understands it. If, if you find yourself in a season of joy, he gets it. He's felt it. He created it. I mean, he, he created humanity. He created our emotion. It's not, he's not separated. He doesn't, you, you haven't been left on your own, right? He, he, he left earth, right? He inhabited earth. He died. Right? He descended to the Father. He poured out His Spirit. He's filled us with His presence. But, but I love that little portion of He's been on earth is He gets it, y'all. We, we, got, a God, we got a God who gets it. Um, but I love how it says that He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things with Himself. There we see it again. Fill all things with Himself. Fill all things with Himself just like what we talked about, especially us believers, right? He has especially filled us believers with his presence and power. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.